Welcome to the Shiny Brightly Show. I'm Howard Brown, author, speaker, Silicon Valley entrepreneur, international peacemaker, and yes, two-time stage four cancer patient survivor and advocate. Each episode will take you from resilience to hope and a whole lot more because Shining Brightly does make the world a better place. Be prepared to be inspired. Hello, it's Howard Brown. It's the Shining Brightly Show. Oh my goodness, I get the best guests. And I have this amazing author, speaker, podcaster, and Sheena Yepchan from the great country of Canada up in Toronto is with us today. How are you? Hey, Howard. Thank you so much for having me as a guest on the show today. I'm truly honored and I'm doing fantastic. Well, you got quite a story to share and um, I'm, I'm excited to get started with you. But let me let me share just a little bit about you. Um, I know you've got, um, for people on the video side, you've got your book, The Tao of Self-Confidence. You've got Asian Woman Who Bossed Me Up, available on Kindle. Uh, this is awesome. And we're going to talk about all of those things. So so let me just introduce you a little bit, and then you can uh, you'll fill in the blanks. So Shina Yap-Chan is a keynote speaker, podcaster, consultant, and a Wall Street Journal bestselling author and building self-confidence. Everybody needs self-confidence. Boy, we've been in, in tough, tough times. It's tough to get out of bed some days. She currently inspires women through her award-winning podcast called The Tao of Self-Confidence, where she interviews Asian women about their inner journey to self-confidence. Her mission is to help Asian women boost their confidence to live their authentic selves. Helping Asian women creates a voice in the world and creates a stronger representation for Asian women. Um, she has been featured in Mind Valley, Slice.ca, uh, Marketing in Asia, the Manila, uh, Manila Times, and a lot more. Uh, you are top 100. Filipino. We'll have to talk about that. And um, uh, you're followed on LinkedIn for inspiration and learning. Um, you're also co-author of an international best-selling book, uh, The Asian Woman Who Boss Up. And The Tao of Self-Confidence is a publisher's weekly bestseller too. So we got lots to talk about. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, share some more about yourself and also tell my audience a little bit something that not everybody knows about you that you want to share. Yeah, for sure. First off, uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Um, something that I prob- that most of you may not know is I love to watch K-dramas. They're my guilty pleasure. Uh, it started out of the lockdowns and kind of went downhill from there, but I love them. You know, the story, the storytelling is so great. And for me, it's really great when it talks about uh, mental health and trauma, which is something that is still a huge taboo in our community. Um, So being able to paint that story is really important because it's very relatable, especially um, growing up as an Asian woman. (laughs) So you're binging during during the pandemic, huh? Yes. It's all right. A lot of people did. Hulu and Netflix, uh, HBO, everyone's doing that. So, well, we're coming out of it. And um, tell us about um, your journey. Just a little bit about, about Chinese Filipino and a little bit about, uh, you know, growing up and, and uh, in your family life and things like that and how you got over to Canada. Yeah, for sure. So I was born in the Philippines. Um, my great grandfather and my grandfather migrated from Taiwan and China to the Philippines. So now we have a lot of family in the Philippines. Um, my dad decided to migrate to Canada when I was seven. So, um, you know, it was first time ever coming to Canada and I didn't even know what Canada was. I kept asking my father are we going to America? And he's like, no, we're going to Canada. And I'm like, is there a Disneyland in Canada? He's like, no. I'm like, why are we, Why can't we go to America? Why are we going to Canada? Um, you know, but I love Canada. I love Toronto. It's the 
you know, I love that. So multicultural and you can literally try every cuisine on earth here in Toronto. Um, and every, you know, the work that I do now really stemmed from my upbringing, you know, growing up in Toronto in the nineties, I never saw anybody that looked like me, you know, mm-hmm. on media, on TV, billboards, magazines. So I just felt ashamed of my own culture. I wanted to have blonde hair and blue eyes uh, changed my name to Heather to have a more Western name. Um, and yeah, so for from like age nine or 10 to like my 20s, I was, you know, I always didn't want to be Asian. I was always embarrassed of it. And it wasn't until I dyed my hair back from blonde to my original hair colors where I finally embraced my culture. Uh, and in 2015, as I was dealing with my own confidence issues, I was really looking for resource systems that really catered to Asian women's confidence, but I really, I couldn't find any, there was nothing out there. And so part of me thought I was the only one dealing with this, but culturally we're not told to talk about how we feel or what we're going through. And so that's how the podcast, the Tao of self-confidence started, you know, as a way to support Asian women and also create better representation. Cause till this day, we're still seen by our negative stereotypes. Um, and even even though I had a podcast about confidence, I was like the least confident, right? Because I, you know, I was like, oh my God, these women are amazing. You know, they're like eight figure earners. I got 2 million followers on Instagram. And then there's me, right? And in Asian culture, the compare game is very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just felt like, I, uh, you know, there was someone out there who was already doing it better than I did. So I didn't really have to like make that effort. Um, and then when the pandemic happened, I was just like, I thought the world was done. Like I thought it was the end of the world. I was like ready to quit everything because we didn't know what was going to happen. We were all stuck at home, right? Uh, We didn't know if we were going to make it through or not. And so it was just like one of the weirdest times of our life. Um, But then, you know, in, in the summer of 2020, I met a lady online who started the book series, Women Who Boss Up. And, you know, we co-created this book. We've done 10 books since the pandemic from different themes and it really just gave me the confidence to go out there and share my voice, really speak up for, especially for Asian women, which led to um, being able to work with a big time publisher like Wiley to have uh, this book, The Tao of Self-Confidence, a guide to moving beyond trauma and awakening the leader within. And, you know, it's it's not typical to have an Asian woman talk about or write about leadership, right? Uh, if you look at the numbers in the U.S., Asian women have one of the lowest numbers in Uh, high corporate roles and management roles and leadership roles, and it keeps declining. So I was like, why is it, you know, we have one of the lowest levels of leadership. And it really ties down to like the trauma we go through, what Asian women go through in general, and being able to have these tough conversations so we can move move past it and show up as our best self, because we all go through some form of trauma, right? Um, And sometimes we're not aware of that trauma. Uh, And we don't realize that trauma could be holding us back or taking control of us. And so um, as chaotic as this world is, I believe what we really need is to heal. Like healing is so important, especially, you know, after the pandemic, you know, we're still going through the after effects of that. And we really need healing so we can move forward, be our best selves and, you know, live the life that we're meant to live. Yeah. The the number one cause I read this recently of uh, coming out of the pandemic was loneliness. Everyone is craving for a hug or embrace or interaction, uh, not just on on Zoom, right? But yeah. uh, it, it's 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 some good things to it and bad things. It's put us together today. And by the way, Canada is part of North America. We got to tell Gramps that uh, we get the geography lesson there done. Um, but it's important. Um, you you don't know this about me, but I, I went to Babson College. It's the number one school for entrepreneurship, and we have a center for women's entrepreneur leaders. And you are right. Um, 
African-American women, Asian women are in the minority of ones who get funded for their business and put into executive roles. And um, that trend has not really budged much in a long time. And it needs to, because um, it doesn't make any sense when you want uh, diverse views as well as uh, different opinions and different qualities of people. And I, I, take me back to this. Is this because of, a, you know, in the Philippines or even in China with some of your family in Taiwan, where it's just more of a male dominated upbringing? Is that where, where the women are not given that um, role or respect? They're supposed to raise the family. Am I onto something there? Yeah, I mean, there there's some commonalities in every Asian culture where, you know, the men are favored over women. I mean, if family had to choose between a, uh, their son or daughter to go to school, of course, they'll pick they'll choose a son over the daughter. Like my grandmother only went up to sixth grade and then she started she had to start taking care of the family. And my grandma had 11 siblings. <laughs> so it's a lot to take care of. And if you look back in history, it's always like, you know, the men the men are the ones who can have multiple wives, have concubines, and the more the merrier because it's more chances of carrying the family name. Um, and this was really important. Like it was so important for the men to have a son to carry the family name, to live on that family name. So um, even in China, right? Like, you know, women are vilified if they're single. Like if you're if you're 25 and over, but you have a good job, you have a good business, you have you, you know, your head on your shoulders, you're considered a leftover. And that's what they literally call it. Um, in Japan, uh, they, a similar they they have a they 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 have a similar thing, but it's called Christmas cake because after Christmas you're left over. So it's oh. it's so crazy um, that you know we still go through this. Or even in Japan, you know, women still get treated unfairly, right? So um, that's one of the things. And then culturally, you know, we're just seen as someone to get married, have kids, and run the household. Not be like, you can be an, an entrepreneur, you can be a creator, you can go out there and live the life that you're supposed to live, right? You know, for so long, we've been taught to live one way of life, and it was passed on from generation to generation to generation for centuries. So, of course, that's all we know, not realizing that really has been hurting us for the longest time. And people don't realize, too, like, we're not only carrying our own traumas, we're carrying the traumas of our parents, our grandparents, our great grandparents, and so on, like they say, it's four generations deep. But I believe it goes deeper just because historically, the things that's happened to us, like sometimes, you know, we have certain traditions that we do that doesn't make sense that actually hurts women, right? And we don't we never question it. Like, um, back in the day, you know, uh, Chinese women had their feet binded as a status symbol, as a symbol of beauty and like knowing that the person's married, like even my own great grandmother had her feet binded. And I didn't even know that until like, you know, three, four months ago. But that was that was that was like typical back then. Right. Um, to show that status uh, and not realizing like that's really painful. Right. <laughs> like it's it's painful. Um, and then she had that done. So. There's so many things we could go through that just like, you know, it would take forever. Like there's just so many things, but these are things that nobody talks about. Right. And it's not about feeling like the victim. It's just understanding this is what we go through and that we have to be aware of it so we can find solutions so we can move on. So, but going through uh, seven, seven years old, growing up in, in Toronto, even though it's multicultural, you, you did feel different or were you bullied in school a little bit? Or? Um, I mean, I got teased in school. I don't, yeah, I mean, I think back then, um, you know, we didn't have social media and social media is like, it's good and it's, and it can be bad, right? Like online right. bullying and things like that. 
yes, of course I was teased, you know, I was different, but, um, you know, I don't think it was to the extent as like some of the bullying that kids go through nowadays, which is just terrifying. Right. Um, but I always felt different, of course, right. When you don't fit the mold of what a Canadian is supposed to look like, or what an American is supposed to look like, uh, you feel like you're not beautiful. You feel like your self-worth has gone down and all you want to aspire is what that's supposed to look like. So, um, so yeah, for, like I mentioned during in my childhood, I just never felt that I was good enough because I was Asian, right. Or I felt really ugly because I was Asian and I didn't have blue hair and blonde eyes or blonde hair, blue eyes. <laughs> we know what you're saying. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, so, 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 so you're getting this and in 2015, you're really starting to build up. I've had to empower yourself. Yeah. And then empower others. And this is what I love about the book and uh, the excerpts that I've read and all that. Take us through the writing process. Um, you had already kind of done a collaborative book, but this was your book. So Yeah, I mean, a collaborative book is totally different because it's just one chapter, right? right? But I mean, this is a full-fledged book and I had less than three months to do it so that we can have it launched in last month, which was Asian Heritage Month. And so as soon as we 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 um, I said yes to it, um, the next day I just started writing. And I mean, even before that, I was questioning myself if I was the person to write this book, right? I'm like, who am I to write a book about leadership? Like, I don't even really know what I'm doing, right? Um, and we, you know, self-doubt is normal, right? We feel like there's someone out there who could do it better. But I realized I needed to do this, not just for myself, but for for, for my community, for the Asian women out there who feel like they don't, or like who feel the same way I was feeling, right? Maybe they feel like they're not good enough. I want them to show them like, it's possible. It's really possible for you, especially if it's possible for me. Cause I'm not, you know, I'm not the smartest, you know, I'm not like, uh, you know, I don't have like straight A's or like MBAs or anything, but I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing to make mistakes, to figure things out, to course correct, to get it done. And, you know, as women too, we've always been programmed to like wait for things to happen not realizing that the, nothing happens if you wait, right? Uh, we got to go out there and make the first move and be okay with it. Even if it means, you know, people calling us, you know, too much, too aggressive, too ambitious, too shameful. I mean, men do it all the time and they get praised for it. And it's time as women, we just need to dismantle these names and then be seen as courageous and confident versus as too ambitious or too much. Well, first of all, all that thing about you're not the right person or you're not ready for, I admire that three months. I, I took three years and I, I didn't write my book. I dictated it over Zoom and invited 158 of the most influential, important people in my life. So three months is like speed. You, you're writing every single day, all day long. So it's you got to give yourself some props for that. And then you had, you know, a big publishing house, you know, help you with hopefully editorial and getting it done. Yeah. But it's really important. So, so the process was uh, you were on speed dial. You were going pretty much. Yeah. And, and um, go ahead. Oh, and one tip I got from my good friend was write like you're drunk and edit like you're sober. So that's what I did. <laughs> and then I had, of course, the team of editors who kind of just make it flow a little bit better and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that really helped me because sometimes too, if in the writing process, as you're writing, you're like, do you think people will understand what I'm saying? Do you think this will make sense? Do you think they'll laugh at me? I mean, of course, all these thoughts will come into your head, right? I mean, you're human. You want to make sure you you give your heart and soul and give the best work and advice to help people out there reading, right? Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I would go to Starbucks like every weekend just to write this book, right? Uh, and the 
the best thing was I was able to do it in chunks, you know, just mm. like split it into three things so that, you know, here's part one, here's part one, part one's done. Here's part two, part two's done, part three. So sometimes chunking it into little actionable steps makes it a lot easier versus trying to figure out, I got to write a whole book in three months. How am I going to do that? Right. Instead, I'd be like, well, first month I'll do part one, second month I'll do part two, then third month I'll do part three. Well, the, the, the relation here because of, of my book with Shining Brightly is be able to find hope in darkness. And you are giving hope to um, Asian women that had typically not had a voice. So major applause for that. It's, it's really important. Um, and now you're meeting all sorts of great accomplished women because this book is giving you that platform. Um, t- tell me what it's like now that, you know, you're creating better representation for Asian women. Are you seeing the impact? Are you feeling it? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I love that women have been, you know, just telling me, you know, thank you for writing this book. Thank you for being the voice. Thank you for being a champion. Um, You know, I've had other women saying like me and my daughter are having these hard conversations that we don't normally do, uh, which is a which is huge because in Asian culture, you know, we just hide it under the rug and think it'll go away, not realizing that is what is affecting us, right? We can't hide anything under the rug. Like we have to talk about these important issues. If we keep everything under the rug, that's this is why, you know, women are targeted more in Asian hate crimes, uh, not being not being able to pro- be promoted to the next level because sometimes all they see is us as quiet and not us as a leader, Right. There's a difference between working hard and being able to be seen as a leader. Um, and and so we need to figure out, you know, what does that look like? How do we be a leader? How do how can we get to the next level? Um, you know, we don't even like go out there and network sometimes. Right. Which is huge if you want to make a name for yourself. And is this easy? Of course not. Right. I mean, I still get anxiety just even thinking about or even reaching out. But I know if I do it, you know, it becomes um, a result. Right. And another the result and then it snowballs into everything else. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I want to tell you, I do a, a lot of work in the interfaith world. And when one minority is um, targeted, all minorities can be targeted. Yeah. And so uh, I happen to do a ton of work because I'm in the Jewish community, but in the with anti-Semitism, with the uh, Muslim community, Islamophobia, and especially during COVID, when they were blaming Asians for COVID, um, that whole China flu stuff that uh, a, a former president mentioned. I mean, yeah. that's that's just plain wrong, and uh, it's not right. And so uh, I was very proud to tell you that um, I, I and and um, Michigan, uh, the Jewish community, we signed on this uh, the Asian uh, anti hate bill and uh, got that put through uh, Congress. So um, I hear what you're saying. Um, it's just easy for people to. Um, consider you the other and not actually look underneath at the culture, the cuisine and things like that. And, 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 and appreciate that um, because we're all God's creatures and uh, we all have value. And so this is what I love about you bringing that forward. Um, and I have no idea because I used a hybrid publisher, which I love because we, we actually did the work together. Um, uh, the big publishers, I, you know, I'm, I'm a first time author. And an unlikely author, I, I I didn't have the confidence. It wasn't even on my bucket list. I'm a good speaker, not a great writer. But the fact is, we use Zoom to get transcripts to become drafts to become chapter. And I have a I'm a published author, a best selling author as well. And um, it was a huge effort, not three months, three years. So I'm I'm just like in awe of you to be able to push that through in that short amount of time and and to get a really amazing book out there. So um, tell me um, some some tips, um, a couple two, three, whatever, that uh, how does someone uh, build their confidence? And what would you recommend where to start? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, when it comes to building confidence, I tell people to take it one step at a time. You don't have to make really big leaps because sometimes we make that big leap and then we don't hit it and then we feel bad about ourselves, right? And in order to create the big results that we want, it's about taking the small daily actionable steps. So let's say you want to write a book, right? And you're like, oh my God, this is such a big, big deal to write a book, right? And it is for a lot of people. Uh, you know, just start with page one, right? Write one page a day. And imagine if you wrote one page a day for a whole year, you would have a full book or you would even have two books, right? Um, so it's just, you know, taking those things one step at a time, like jogging. Maybe you want to start with one one kilometer, right? You hit one kilometer. Then you want to add maybe half a kilometer more and you just slowly increase it. And you'd be surprised at the end, you could do like 20 kilometers without, without blinking an eye. So well, that first perfect. piece of advice is important because yeah. you can't eat the whole pizza. You got to take the slice. So yeah. I, that, that's great. Yeah. So uh, Rome, Rome wasn't built in a day. So don't expect yourself to do the same. Right. Exactly. What, yeah. uh, what other, what other uh, tips do you have? Yeah. I mean, another tip that I mentioned is that, you know, we have all been confident in something that we do, right? We've all been confident in something, whether it's jogging, business, video, podcasting. And so when we start doing something new, we get scared because it's unknown to us, right? But you can transfer the confidence that you have and the things you've accomplished and put it towards that. So it's not really about scared. It's just, we don't know. We don't know. We get, we don't know what the outcome is. We don't know if we'll fail. And if we fail, it's not really failure. It's just feedback. So being able to transfer whatever you've done in the past, that confidence to something new that can really help you out. Um, and then the most important part is be okay to ask for help. This is so important, especially culturally. We're not told to ask for help. It's seen as a weakness or a handout, but we can't do everything ourselves. Like we all have blind spots. So, so we won't be able to see it. Right. So it's kind of like you're, when you're driving a car and you want to change lanes, what do you do? You you look at your rear view mirror to check out the blind spots. So, you know, you have to also apply it in, in your real life. Like go ask for help. Be okay to ask for help. Be okay to seek support because asking for help is really what can help you build confidence because they can, there's a third, second or third pair of eyes that can see your blind spots and then be able to course correct so you can show up as your best self. Um, you know, I, I, this is something that I tell every single person now, because for so long, we've always been told, don't ask for help, don't ask for help, don't ask for help. But we we have to ask for help. We, we can't do this alone. We got to do this together or be part of a group or, you know, even be okay to ask for a licensed mental health therapist to talk about your problems. I mean, back in our culture, that's considered shameful. They think something's wrong with us if we go do that. But there's nothing wrong with that. Like we all we all need to work on our mental health. So this is this is why you're 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 here as my guest because everything you're speaking of I pull out themes in my memoir. Um, my my book isn't isn't a two time cancer book. My book is a life guide to living a resilient life with hope. And the the themes I, I pull out is that survivorship. We're all trying to survive something, surviving life, surviving work, surviving relationships, surviving health. Um, and then the the point about taking help. It allows someone else to give you that perspective, the blind spot, but also it makes them feel good and um, helps lift you up. And my theme is that you have to lift yourself up. And this is what you are doing for yourself and Asian women. And once you actually are doing the self-care, the self-love, the confidence building, 
then you can actually lift up others. And that's what I love that you're doing. And then we join together like we are doing and we shine brightly all over the world to make this world a better place. And, and that's that's why our themes are so related. And, and, and you wouldn't look at that right away and see that, but I'm telling you that this is, uh, I, I see that. And I have guides on, on my website on survivorship, on mentorship is leadership, on interfaith and, and, and uh, why interfaith relations of knowing the other. And this is all very common. And I think that's what you're doing as well. Um, so I'm, I'm really just this, I'm, I'm all excited um, to get even further into your book. And so what, what is next with you? Now, all of a sudden you've got the book, the book tour, you're speaking, uh, you're coaching, and also you're uh, got the podcast. You're, you're busy. What, what, what's, the, what's the future like the rest of the year? What do you, I mean, you, you're booked every week. I don't know. It's so funny when people ask me that because it's like, you know, I just, I'm just like, you know, I go wherever, wherever the wind takes me. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good answer, but like, you know, whatever opportunities arise, you know, I just go for it. Right. And sometimes, you know, we, tr- we want to plan our five-year plan or 10-year plan. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, which is great. Right. right. Um, but sometimes we get so consumed that we forget to like really live in the moment. Um, and so I've, I've been in this um, journey for so long. And for me, it's always like, you know, what can I do better? Right. What can I do better? Being able to ask the right questions and then those right questions will lead me to that answer. So um, I know that's probably like, like woo woo or whatever, but um, yeah, like, you know, just really excited for what's to come, being able to have a book that really touches on Asian women in leadership and then just keep going, keep that message going, keep speaking up, keep showing others what's possible because a lot of people, like you mentioned, need hope, need something to, you know, have their light back on, right? Their light has been so dim for so long. Um, they just need something to show them what's possible. Well, you're showing them and you're the wind blew you onto the Shiny Brightly podcast today. <laughs> so I'm I'm so excited. So this is a, a part of the show we call the Shiny Brightly Spotlight. Nice. So Sheena, Sheena I, what we're going to do is I'd love for you to tell my audience that's listening and watching how best to get a hold of you. I heard you actually have a really cool giveaway. And then I want to give you the last, uh, you know, final word of the show and then kick it over to me and we'll, we'll do a wrap. Sounds good. Well, first off, if you want to connect with me, you can go to my website, www.sheenayapchan.com. I have a free quiz where you can unlock your self-confidence personality. So, you, you know, it's about five questions. You can get the results right away uh, for the book, The Tale of Self-Confidence. You can uh, purchase a copy on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indigo, all the major book retailers. Uh, so you can pick up a copy uh, and it's available on Kindle, hardcover and audio. Uh, for my podcast, The Tao of Self-Confidence, that is available on all major podcasting platforms. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, tons of episodes that you can um, binge listen to. I have over 800 episodes. Uh, and then for my social media, you know, if you look up Sheena Yapchan, I'm literally the only Sheena Yapchan on the internet, so I'm not hard to find. You'll see all my social medias, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, I'm all there. <laughs> you are. So give me, give me a final word um, as we, uh, as we take the show uh, to a wrap. Yeah, for sure. So I was, you know, sharing a post today and, you know, I was talking about, um, you know, I was like thinking what, what would be a really great message today? Right. Uh, and so I saw something on, on Google and it just made a lot of sense. Right. And so for anyone who's there, men or women, but it's geared to more 
women, of course, uh, there's a strong woman in all of us, right? Sometimes we feel like we're so weak because of how we perceive ourselves. But the moment when we believe in our capabilities, we believe we can go out there and make things happen, you know, we we are strong. We're, we are strong, right? It's just how we perceive ourselves is what's stopping us. We have that strength inside us. It's just learning to work on ourselves, work on how, uh, work on our mindset, you know, be able to realize you know, how much, how much we can put out into the world, especially as women, women are amazing. You know, we, you know, we, we've gone through hell and back, still going through hell and back and we're still here. We're not giving up. We're not taking no for an answer. We're going to keep moving forward. So just remind a reminder, there's a strong woman in all of us. I, I, I love that. That's, that's incredible. Thank you. So um, again, uh, this is Howard Brown. You can reach me at shiningbrightly.com. And um, obviously there's uh, my speaking, the podcast, the book, um, there's uh, stuff on cancer. Uh, uh, I've lots of other guests on lots of podcasts. So lots of information. I'm always interactive. So please reach out to me there. And, and just remember that uh, shining brightly just a little bit each day um, for ourselves, for others, and for our communities does make the world a better place. Sheena Yepchen, you've been an amazing guest. I wish you all the best. I will support you um, and, and, and help you just shine your light everywhere because it's such an important message. Thank you. Thank you for being a great guest. Thank you again. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shining Brightly with me, Howard Brown. Come interact with me at shiningbrightly.com. And remember, keep on shining.